I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we'll be reading Deuteronomy chapters 30 and 31. Deuteronomy chapter 30 is a continuation of what we were reading in chapters actually 27, 28, and 29, where in 29 and 28 we were seeing the blessings and the cursings that will come upon Israel if they obey or disobey God. And in 29 we were rolling along with the blessings and the cursings, and uh, then Moses seems to go into a prediction mode here, or a prophecy mode. We'll make the call after we read it. Let's begin now reading with chapter 30 and verse 1. And it shall come to pass, when all these things are come upon thee, the blessing and the curse, which I have set before thee, and thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations, whither the Lord thy God hath driven thee, and shalt return unto the Lord thy God, and shalt obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children, with all thine heart, with all thy soul, that then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity, and have compassion upon thee, and will return and gather thee from all the nations, whither the Lord thy God hath scattered thee. If any of thine be driven out into the outmost parts of heaven, from thence will the Lord thy God gather thee, and from thence will he fetch thee. And the Lord thy God will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possessed, and thou shalt possess it. And he will do thee good, and multiply thee above thy fathers. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart, and the heart of thy seed, to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, that thou mayest live. And the Lord thy God will put all these curses upon thine enemies, and on them that hate thee, which persecuted thee. And thou shalt return and obey the voice of the Lord, and do all his commandments which I command thee this day. And the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thine hand, in the fruit of thy body, and in the fruit of thy cattle, and in the fruit of thy land, for good. For the Lord will rejoice again over thee for good, as he rejoiced over thy fathers. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in the book of this law, and if thou turn unto the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul. For this commandment which I command thee this day, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very nigh unto thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply, and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but shalt be drawn away, and worship other gods, and serve them. I denounce you this day that ye shall surely perish, and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land whither thou passest over Jordan to go to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, 
that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live. That thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and thou mayest obey his voice, and thou mayest cleave unto him. For he is thy life, and the length of thy days. That thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Well, as I mentioned, we were rolling along in Deuteronomy chapter 29 with Moses issuing those warnings to Israel on what would happen if they didn't exclusively serve the one true God. Then when we got over to chapter 29, verse 22, we seemed to get a surprise. Moses seems to be issuing his prediction that the descendants of these Israelites will indeed turn their backs on God. Well, this prediction continues right on into chapter 30. Since it eventually happened exactly as Moses specified in Deuteronomy chapter 29 and here in 30, do you suppose that Moses' words are actually prophetic here? Based upon the developments of Israel, I think we must categorize Moses' statements as prophecy. Moreover, God actually confirms all of this in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 14 to 30, which we're going to look at in a few moments. So here they are about to go in and possess Canaan, and Moses issues a prophecy that after Israel possesses the land God promised, they'll eventually turn their backs on God to the point that they will be overcome by enemy nations who will then disperse them. He further specifies in this prophecy that they will turn again to the Lord, return to their homeland, and prosper. Well, this fall and dispersion subsequently happened in two stages. The northern kingdom fell in 721 B.C. You can read about that in 2 Kings chapter 17, verses 1-6. through 6. And then later on, the southern kingdom fell in 586 B.C. with the fall of Jerusalem, and that's recorded in 2 Kings 24, verses 10-16. through 16. Now, what about the return? Well, the official return began on May 14, 1948. That was 2,500-plus years after being dispersed from their, from their homeland. The prophecy of Moses isn't complete yet, though. They haven't turned back to God to the extent specified. That's coming at the end of the tribulation. Now, May 14, 1948, the end of the British mandate when Israel declared their independence, that was just the start of a prophecy that was given over 3,400 years ago. Now, four events have to take place to fulfill this prophecy of Israel's restoration. The first event is a restoration to Israel's homeland. Well, that happened in 1948, and it's specified here in verse 5. Now, by the way, the exiles did return in 535 B.C. under Cyrus, but all the specifications aren't met, as we'll talk about in a few moments. A second specification is that there has to be a work of grace to take place in Israel's hearts. That's in verse 6. Now, look at the notes on the New Covenant of Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 40, to understand exactly what this work of grace in Israel's hearts must be that takes place. Thirdly, a judgment of Israel's enemies will take place. That's in verse 7. Look at the prophecy on by Joel in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, down through chapter 3, verse 21, to get more insight on this judgment against Israel's enemies. And finally, number four, this passage specifies prosperity in the land. That's in verse 9. 
And uh, I'd encourage you to go look at my notes on Amos chapter 9, verses 11 through 15 for additional insight on this particular aspect of this prophecy issued by, by Moses on Israel regarding their restoration. Now, some might argue that the return to the land to which Moses referred is the return under Cyrus of Persia beginning in 535 B.C. However, the total renewal, prosperity, and longevity we see in this chapter, well, it wasn't fulfilled at that time. 1948 was just the beginning of this process. Not until after the millennium begins will the total dependence upon the Messiah by Israel be actually realized. Now, if you want to read more about the uh, the the exile and return prophecy, look at Jeremiah chapter 25, verses 1 through 14, and there are some notes there and a passage that will give you more insight on that. Now, in this passage right here, verses 11 through 14 in Deuteronomy chapter 30, Paul quotes those verses in Romans chapter 10, verses 6 through 8. In these verses, Moses proclaims to the people that simple acceptance of God's law is just all that's required. Paul uses this passage by Moses to proclaim the same simple faith in Jesus Christ as one Savior, and that's all that's required, he tells the Romans in Romans chapter 10, verses 6 through 8, in addressing in chapters 9, 10, and 11 of Romans the plight of the unrepentant Hebrew people. Then in chapter 31, we see that it's time for Moses to retire in the first eight verses. He's 120 years old, verse 1. And Moses went and spake these words unto all Israel. And he said unto them, I am an hundred and twenty years old this day. I can no more go out and come in. Also the Lord hath said unto me, Thou shalt not go over this Jordan. The Lord thy God, he will go over before thee, and he will destroy these nations from before thee, and thou shalt possess them. And Joshua, he shall go over before thee, as the Lord hath said." And the Lord shall do unto them as he did to Sihon and to Og, kings of the Amorites, and unto the land of them whom he destroyed. And the Lord shall give them up before your face, that you may do unto them according to all the commandments which I have commanded you. Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that goeth with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of a good courage, for thou must go with his people unto the land which the Lord hath sworn unto their fathers to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee, he will be with thee, he will not fail thee, neither forsake thee, fear not, neither be dismayed. So here we see that Moses says, Joshua, you take it. But before he goes, Moses gives a mini-history lesson as a pep talk to Israel. He says, remember how we whipped King Sihon and King Og of the Amorites back in Numbers chapter 21? Well, he says, I expect you to take that same fervor over the Jordan with you. Og was the giant king with a really, really big bed, if you recall. He became the standard of God's ability to deliver enemies into Israel's hands. He's mentioned over and over again as the as the standard, as a reminder. He gets mentioned 22 times altogether, all the way down to the time of David, and even after Israel's deportation and return in the book of Nehemiah. King Og was the poster child demonstrating what Israel can do when they depend on God. 
Now, you'll notice that Joshua gets his commission in front of all Israel in verse 7. It says, And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of a good courage, for thou must go with this people into the land which the Lord hath sworn unto their fathers to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. You see, it was important for the Hebrews to recognize the same authority in Joshua as they had in Moses. Incidentally, you recall that there were only two men left in Israel who were over 60 years of age. Well, except for the Levites. See my article on the Wilderness Decree to understand what I mean when I say that the Levites were exempt. But outside of the Levite men, there were only two that were 60 years of age or older. That's Joshua and Caleb. In Joshua's testimony recorded in Joshua chapter 14, verse 7. Here's what he said. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And at that point in time, Moses, he was about 81 years old. That makes Joshua approximately 80 years old or so when he takes over from Moses as the leader of Israel here in this passage. Incidentally, if you're wondering about Joshua's credentials, Let's set your mind at ease. Joshua had been Moses' right-hand man through the whole process. Fresh out of Egypt, it was Joshua who was appointed by Moses to assemble an army to fight against the Amalekites in Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 16. Moreover, we see in Exodus chapter 24, verse 13, that Moses was accompanied by, and it says, his minister Joshua, when he ascended Mount Horeb for his extended stay where he communed with God. Joshua had definitely earned the respect of the people of Israel over these last 40 years. Then we have uh, some specifications in verses 9 through 13 about when we go into church. Verse 9, And Moses wrote this law and delivered it unto the priests, the sons of Levi, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and unto all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them, saying, At the end of every seven years, in the solemnity of the year of release, in the Feast of Tabernacles, when all Israels come to appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, thou shalt read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy stranger that is within thy gates, that they may hear and that they may learn and fear the Lord your God and observe to do all the words of this law." And that their children, which have not known anything, may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God, as long as ye live in the land, whether ye go over Jordan to possess it. So we have these instructions from Moses. Here they are. When ye get there, over into Canaan, when ye possess it, gather everybody together every seven years. Now that's the sabbatical year, the year of release, that's recorded in Leviticus chapter 25, verses 1 through 7. You're going to gather them every seven years in that sabbatical year during the Feast of Tabernacles. I've written an article on the Jewish feast. It's under the topic section of BibleTrack.org, and you can look there and understand the Feast of Tabernacles. So, during the Feast of Tabernacles, every seven years, gather the people together and read the whole law to everybody. That's a pretty long meeting. But it is just every seven years. Oh, and, and while you're at it, be sure to actually keep the law that you happen to be reading. Now, it's interesting to note that a weekly gathering of Jews for a church meeting was actually not part of the law of Moses. We see in verse 9 it says, Moses wrote this law and delivered it unto the priests, the sons of Levi. They, the sons of Levi, were to be the custodians of the law of Moses. 
Now, lest we misunderstand the command here, Israel actually assembled three times each year according to Exodus chapter 34, verse 23. These three gatherings were the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, or otherwise known as Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Again, I've written the article on Jewish festivals under the topic section of BibleTrack.org to read more about those. These specifications in this passage of seven years in verse 10 was for the express purpose of reading the law to the people every seven years at the annual gathering, which was for the Feast of Tabernacles. Then we find that in verses 14 to 30 that Joshua gets the official promotion. Verse 14, And the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, thy days approach that thou must die. Call Joshua and present yourselves in the tabernacle of the congregation, that I may give him charge. And Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves in the tabernacle of the congregation. And the Lord appeared in the tabernacle on a pillar of a cloud, and the pillar of the cloud stood over the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, and this people will rise up and go a-whoring after the gods of the strangers of the land, whither they go to be among them, and will forsake me and break my covenant, which I have made with them. Then my anger shall be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them, and I will hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured, and many evils and troubles shall befall them, so that they will say in that day, Are not these evils come upon us, because our God is not among us? And I will surely hide my face in that day for all the evils which they have wrought, and that they have turned unto other gods. Now therefore write ye this song for you, and teach it the children of Israel, put it in their mouths, that this song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. For when I shall have brought them into the land which I swear unto their fathers, that floweth with milk and honey, and they shall have eaten and filled themselves in waxen fat. Then will they turn unto other gods, and serve them, and provoke me, and break my covenant. And it shall come to pass, when many evils and troubles have befallen them, that this song shall testify against them as a witness. For it shall not be forgotten out of the mouths of their seed, for I know their imagination which they go about, even now before I have brought them into the land which I swear." Moses therefore wrote this song the same day and taught it the children of Israel. And he gave Joshua the son of Nun a charge and said, Be strong and of a good courage, for thou shalt bring the children of Israel into the land which I swear unto them, and I will be with thee. And it came to pass when Moses had made an end of writing the words of this law in a book until they were finished, that Moses commanded the Levites which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, saying, Take this book of the law and put it in the side of the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there for a witness against thee. For I know thy rebellion and thy stiff neck. Behold, while I am yet alive with you this day, ye have been rebellious against the Lord. And how much more after my death? Gather unto me all the elders of your tribes and your officers, that I may speak these words in their ears and call heaven and earth to record against them. For I know that after my death you will utterly corrupt yourselves and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you. And evil will befall you in the latter days, because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. And Moses spake in the ears of all the congregation of Israel the words of this song until they were ended. Well, in verse 14 here, God calls Moses and Joshua to the tabernacle for the transfer of authority. 
A couple of verses here give us some perspective on this transfer. Verses 15 and 16 say, And the Lord appeared in the tabernacle in a pillar of a cloud, and the pillar of a cloud stood over the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, and this people will rise up and go a-whoring after the gods of the strangers of the land, whether they go to be among them, and will forsake me and break my covenant which I have made with them. Now, imagine getting a uh, a prophecy, a prophetic word like that from God after leading these people for 40 years. But you know what Israel needs? Israel needs a song. That's right, they need a song. So God says to Moses, Moses, I want you to write a song. Now, it says here that he wrote it in a day. I guess you might call it mm, maybe their national anthem. It was a song to serve as a reminder. Look at what verse 21 says. Here's what it says. And it shall come to pass when many evils and troubles are befallen them that this song shall testify against them as a witness. For it shall not be forgotten out of the mouths of their seed. For I know their imagination which they go about even now before I have brought them into the land which I swear. By the way, the words to the song comprise the first 43 verses of Deuteronomy chapter 32, which, of course, is tomorrow's reading. So let's see. Things for Moses to do before dying. Number one, we've got to warn Israel again about worshiping other gods. Oh, yeah, we need to finish up writing the law, of course. Uh, Give the same law that we're writing to the Levites and tell them where to store it. Oh, and we need to attend that uh, Joshua commissioning ceremony. And, of course, then we got to write a song. Well, that's a big day for a 120-year-old man, isn't it? What a to-do list. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walker.